people deluded i'm back again welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast once again thank you very much for tuning in each and every time now it's been a while since we've seen the premier league in the sense of we've had the winter break which is the first time for these premier league footballers and us as a fan at least forgive me if i'm wrong so there's been a lot but we're back again with the podcast, man. It is what it is. Um, I'm looking forward to personally being at Arsenal versus Newcastle on Sunday. Hopefully we win, people. We've been drawing enough games. I look at Newcastle. I'm sure they only, they've only had one defeat in 2020, people. But the good thing is, isn't Arsenal technically undefeated in the Premier League in, in, in 2020? Who says we're not invincible? Well, on a serious note, hopefully we do the business against Newcastle. But before we crack on with any Premier League news... I wanted to speak about an article I came across um, via The Athletic, more or less kind of showing that the powers that be or people that you could say decision makers want to kind of, you know, change the Champions League structure. Long story short, more games, people, an expanded competition with more games, but in a way that it favours all the big teams. And before I carry on, if they were to extend it, could you imagine winning the Champions League in this extended format, which we'll get onto, people, um... And you're hearing how FIFA want to turn the World Club Cup from where it is now in what two, three games that the Champions League winner has to play to some group stage. So imagine in a singular year, people, your team won the Champions League with these. By the end of this, what I'm about to say about all this article, but imagine if your team won the Champions League, had to play in this this new tournament with FIFA that's going to be every four years, the World Club Cup. Um, it's, too, it's, a, it's a serious amount of games and it's a big arts. And you've got to remember your domestic campaign that you'd have to pause temporarily during whatever period, but have to go and do it. Um, and and imagine in that same year, it's, the, it's a World Cup or international or, or an international tournament. Your players are going to be, you know, mash up to the brim, not to mention the fixture calendar. But moving forward, the bosses of the con- continental game are faced with a range of options for what happens after 2024, which, as you lot know, I'm sure is the last year of the current set of calendar and commercial agreements. Um, apparently, and Andrea Angelelli, I can't say his name, um, the chairman of Juventus, and he's also the president of the European Club Association. Um, he was proposing, proposing quite drastic changes to the Champions League starting with the group stage people which would go from eight groups of four to four groups of eight with the top four from each group progressing to the current knockout format um this proposal would also increase the minimum number of champions league games from those um from from those involved from six sorry would also increase sorry from um from six games to 14 the second part of his plan people um there should be a promotion and relegation between Europe's three club competitions. The mid-tier Europa Conference League is due to start in 2021. Um, so again, for one season to another, with the top 24 of the of the 32 clubs in the Champions League retaining their places. So it is quite dramatic and it'd be quite the change. But my biggest thing is when would these games be played? You'd have to potentially play Champions League games on weekends now. Um there is always winners and losers, and you wouldn't necessarily think people are necessarily winners and losers. Um, but looking at it, apparently Juventus and several other elite continental clubs who do not get, obviously, a share, like Premier League teams do, or £3 billion a year in broadcast revenue, um, are convinced that this is the only way um, to earn that kind of money. More or less, the only way to earn that kind of money is to play each other on a more regular basis. Looking at UEFA's total income, people, it's risen from £500 million a year in all three to 2.75 billion now 
vast majority of such com- funds come from the Champions League. Um, Two thirds by the government, but governing body are dished out to clubs every year via bonuses for those in- involved in its competition, and obviously solidarity payments for the rest. <coughs> Apologies, people. Um, so it is quite it is quite crazy. Moving on from that, Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Co believe they earn this money and that they deserve more of it. They also think that given their audience, particularly in the growing Asian and North American markets, more of what it seems um, to want will grow the pot so everyone can get a bigger slice. More for them and more for UEFA. Um, so that sounds, yeah, but like I said, people, again, I can't, I couldn't begrudge Juventus, Barcelona or any of these teams because you've got to all look out and be self-invested. Obviously, I don't want the Champions League or football in any capacity to become more and more elitist than it already is and going. The honest football fans like ourselves, people, there's very little we can do but speculate on it. But I have to go back to the games, people. Where do you find the time to play eight more games, people? Seriously, seriously. Imagine this weekend. Like, what what happens, people? Imagine if you're still in, in domestic cups and all of these sort of things. Or you're the, let's just say, like I said, this this these plans have been implemented and, and you've won the Champions League. It's going to really derail your, your club, potentially, for not only the season that you've won it, for the following campaign, people. It's quite mad. They'll have to find some solution to that. Apologies for the noise as I'm trying to flip the page, people. Um... Moving on, the report went on to say the Premier League earns three billion a year in broadcast income because of the world's most famous teams take it very seriously. Their fans usually prioritise it and the dramatic tensions this creates is sustained through the season thanks to the race for the title, scrap to avoid relegation and fight for European prizes. And I mean, how true is that? Because Liverpool, I mean, people say France and all these teams are one-sided leagues. Liverpool have not been challenged for that league title. But on a serious note, you get where they're coming from. Um, and there's also the separate issue of Sky and whatnot, people. How do you negotiate their sort of things? Because the, um, the article, courtesy after the Athletic, went on to go and say, um, you're not going to get Sky Sports and Co... Sorry. You're not going to get Sky Sports and Co queuing up to write... Um, to write you big checks every three seasons. The best teams might be able to replace that revenue with extra cash from Europe, but what about the rest? So again, smaller teams again at a, are at potentially a disadvantage, people. Um, it's crazy. Moving on from that, though, people, and Ollie McBurney is now of Sheffield United, formerly of Swansea, once upon a time played for Brad, Brad, Bradford, actually once upon a time played for Leeds. He was released for being too small. It's crazy how it turns out because he's six foot plus now and he's now a Premier League footballer. Um, He's been, again, I saw this in The Athletic and it, it really was a good sort of heartfelt story of sorts because he, in more or less, he spoke about playing in the Milk Cup. If you don't know what the Milk Cup is, I think they changed the name, but it's a competition over in Ireland where the winners spray milk. It's just a youth cup competition and a lot of big players have played in there. I mean... And a lot of man, man, I mean, if you mention Manchester United, they're synonymous with it. I mean, most recently Greenwood played in that, Rashford played in it. Someone that Oli said was a couple years long, younger, um, and he was there. Obviously, um, who else was there? He mentioned Andre, Andres Pereira and Scott McTominay, and he was more or less on loan at Man United for this tournament. And while there was no chance of making it permanent, it done a lot for his confidence. But um, yeah, like I said, he was released from Leeds at 14 for being too small, and so was his brother. But moving on, during this Milk Cup, it's important to remember he was the top goal scorer in this competition. He got five in five people and it meant he got the golden boot. Um, he said when he went back to Brad- Bradford sorry, after this United loan, he said, 
My confidence was so much higher when I went back to Bradford. The tournament with Manchester United went brilliant for me. The final was tough. As you saw from the footage we watched, we just couldn't score. So to get the winner in such a comp such a prestigious competition was a big thing for me. They were a really great group of lads and we do keep in touch today. I see Scott McTominay with Scotland, Andreas who was brilliant in that tournament. I speak to him over social media from time to time. I've got his shirt when we played Manchester United at home this season. I also swapped with Marcus once. Finishing as top goal scorer in the Milk Cup tournament did so much good for me as it was after that that I really kicked on. I scored loads of goals in the youth team and it was later that same season when the gaffer, which at the time was Phil Parkinson, gave me my debut. Um, in relation to the United, um, if it was ever going to be made permanent, he did go on and say, people, the move was always a low. Manchester United, Manchester United made it clear from the start that's all it was. No one ever said anything about, um, stay, about me staying on or anything like that. The chief scout did say they would keep watching me when I went back to Bradford. Nothing came of it, but the experience was good. Probably just what I needed. And yeah, man, you never football's a funny game, people. Really and truly, what it can do for you and. He, he's now running, a, he's offered some other thoughts as well, people, in relation to now, present day. And at Sheffield United, he said, I'm running an extra two kilometres every game. That might not seem like a lot, but it is a lot. I feel so much fitter. The last five times I've started, I did 11 kilometres each game. Part of that is down to my role in the team. At Swansea, I was given a free roll to do what I want, told where I wanted to run, whereas here, it is different. Um, I'll be honest and say it took me a few months to adjust to how we play. But the fans stuck by me. They've been unbelievable, especially at the start when I was having a tough time and not playing like I am. Now I feel a lot more confident and comfortable. I feel a real bond. If I ever leave Sheffield United, I am sure I'm sure I will come back to watch games. I went to Swansea as a boy, but I became a man down here. And he's a man of his word because obviously, sadly, he got in trouble, not by his gaffer because Chris Wilder hilariously said he, he, he he's done the same. He's been around the block. But... um. You saw him go back as a Swansea lad to go and watch Swansea versus Cardiff. And yeah, for whatever reason, he got fined people. And it's funny how football works, man. But it's always testament to what it's down to you. If you're faced with rejection, it's down to you because he could have felt sorry for himself. But he bounced back. 14's a tough age to get released by a club, you know. You're what, a season or two from getting a scholarship. Clubs are more or less looking at man already. Obviously, puberty plays a part in it. Um and his football dream could have been done. Um, like he said as well, his, his family had to make round trips Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights to take him and his brother from their house to go to the academy and things. And a lot of parents, sadly, it is a lot of it's in vain because the chances of being a professional footballer is very slim. That's why I don't really care what players get for in terms of money, man, because these clubs make pennies and make, make what the players, sorry, make a penny on these pounds and... At least honest, hard-working parents get some of that. But he said, Leeds released me at 14. They said I was too small, which I probably was at that age. I was tiny, always undeveloped compared to the other lads when I was younger. But just after leaving Leeds, I shut up. I was crushed by being released. Me and my brother both got released on the same day. Xander was told it was too easy for him and he wasn't trying enough. We both went to play Sunday League for a year after Leeds, mainly because we hadn't been enjoying it. I was probably most upset for my mum and dad. They did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday nights from our house in Garforth to Fort Arch. It was a good old journey and then suddenly all that counted for nothing. All the time we felt had not been worth it, all gone to waste. It is why we look after them now. It's crazy people. 
It's mad. Um, so big up, big up, Oli, Oli McBurney for changing things around, man. And I'm sure now, at the time, it weren't funny, but him and his family and his mum and dad and brothers and the rest of them can laugh about it now and and all of these sort of things. He also he did also mention that he went down to Man United with a certain colour of Nike boots and then everybody had to wear black, so he might have changed that. But um, yeah, man. And it sounds like that that tournament did a lot for him, people. In other news, now Jordan I people, it's sad to say, a man that was spoken of having the ability to, to be better than Raheem Sterling, to go off and be an England international, seen as a coup more or less for Bournemouth when they made him their £15 million club record signing. Liverpool obviously elected to him to go, but they inserted a buyback clause allegedly and a sell-on clause allegedly. Why would they do that if he didn't have potential? Do you see what I'm saying? Because they want to obviously make peas if he sold and have the option of bringing him back to the club. Hasn't hit the heights. Club record signing for me. He's been there a couple of years. You're the highest record player in their history. You should, when Bournemouth fans name their best eleven of all time, they should be saying Jordan Ibe, or he should be in the conversation if he's not there. He should be in Bournemouth folklore, like I can imagine to a degree. Wilson must be um, Callum Wilson, even Harry Wilson, based on his little time there. And I'm obviously even guys like Fraser and Francis, man that have been up there through the leagues um, and whatnot. He hasn't done that. Can't tell you how many goals he scored. Can't tell you a, a game I've really seen him play a blinder. Has not really improved. Is very brainless in the final third. Just not kicked on. Whether that's his fault, whether that's manager's fault, he needs to look close to home. His contract is up at the end of the season. He's training with. He's not been involved in any match days of recent, and I think he's only been involved in um, one of recent, really and truly. Because he's just, he just been pouring his contracts up. I mean, you're hearing his teammate Fraser and all these other players linked with free transfers everywhere. Who is going to touch Jordan Ibe, really? And that's not me trying to be disrespectful or be down on a lad. But he really needs to fix up. Sadly, he's been involved in negative stuff as well. Um, he didn't feature in the 1-0 defeat by Bournemouth to Arsenal in early October. But for obvious reasons, um, he is, it was an eventful day. I believe he was actually arrested on such day. Um, for those who don't know, Jordan Ibe on Monday went to court again over crashing his car into a calf, which led to a loss of trade for the calf. And also, he's obviously going to lose his license, could get a suspended sentence, definitely going to get community service. In fact, definitely losing his license. It's a bit mad and it's just it's sad, really and truly, man. But anyways, um, just some of some of this article I was able to grab for you lot. The Kent police officer, well, sorry people, PC Nicholas Brown told Bexley Magistrate Court on the 31st of July 2019 he was eager to speak to Jordan Ibe, the Bournemouth winger. The Kent police officer had arrived at work early at around 6.30am and was soon informed of a trace on a vehicle in a case he had taken on had turned up a result. It was identified as obviously Jordan Ibe's car, Bentley people. Um, it had been involved in an accident on Plasto Lane in Bromley, South East London, 24 hours before that. Um, it came off the road and clipped a parked car before obviously crashing into the shop front. Um, I'm trying to just skim through and read the relevant parts. Long story short, I was more or less told to contact the police um, via, I think, 101, it says here, to obviously find a resolution to that. Long story short, it was he didn't comply only when he was threatened that he'd be arrested potentially at a football match or at his place of work. Did he comply? Um Apparently, Bournemouth are un were under no obligation to compel compel Ibe to comply again because it's yeah it's not, it's it's obviously it's irrelevant because it's their player but it's irrelevant in that it's he's it's yeah he, he's his own man sort of thing. Allegedly, though, there was still no contact. So uh, this is what the 
PC fed man said he said there was still no contact so I spoke to the football club again and advised them that if I did not have contact within the next few days I would arrest him at a football match this had the desired effect when asked by Frank Rogers speaking for the defense exactly who was dealing with the delay Ibe himself told the court my player li liaison my lawyers the football club they obviously took too long I gave the police details to the club to my player liaison manager why and then he was then asked why did you only agree to be interviewed when threatened with the arrest at a football match? He then said, I, did, I didn't I did know any of this. He was then asked, did he dodge the police? Obviously, he's going to say no, he wasn't. Um, he was obviously charged in October with driving without due care and attention and failing to stop at the scene of an accident. He pled guilty to the first charge and was also found guilty. Um, he obviously took it to trial on Monday. He said, I probably had music on. I was driving too fast. I came over the hill and it was dark didn't have a chance to stop so i skimmed the first car and then as i got up to the shop i broke i was in shock so i was in the car for a few moments then i got out and i checked the other car and shop i called my mother and spoke to her on the phone she was trying to keep me calm this damage people sadly resulted in a loss of well the damage was around 15 grand obviously because they're closing their, their shop front is ruined they're obviously going to lose a loss of trade which probably regulars and whatever such as the hipster place london is now they're going to go elsewhere so they're probably never going to become that i i assume hot spot relatively in their area apparently i did try and settle this out of court and throw some bands didn't happen people um it was rejected as it wasn't deemed enough to cover such odds so you'll probably have to cover it in some sort of way obviously there'll be community service potentially driver awareness his license is gone his name is going to be dragged through the mud and it's sad man it's sad man i never like to see this happen to a fellow ic3 a fellow brother man i just want to see him shine really but he needs to look closer to home because away from this just at the football on football basis allegedly he had problems at liverpool and you know, people are quick to say, and I'm quick to defend players. People always say attitude problem and they can't behave and this and that. And I always defend players, as you know. But sometimes, eventually, the penny has to drop with the player. The buck has to drop with the player. And it's all on I. There's a reason he's not been anything close to the potential. He's Don't get me wrong, he's, like, he's having a good life. He's on 40k a week. He's technically a Premier League footballer. He's played for Liverpool. But can buy a Bentley and all these cars and crash it and it ain't really nothing. Um... And that's great. But one day this is all going to stop. One day your career is done. And you're going to wonder, did I give it my all? Yeah, I enjoyed it and I made some money. And to be fair, you'd be surprised how many footballers actually love football. If he just sees it as a job, then I can't tell a man nothing. But if he genuinely cares about ball and all of these things, he's, his, his career is going to pass him. Your career, it might seem long from 16 to 35, but it's quick, people. It's quick. And he's going to look back and think, yeah, I might have earned a few bob. I might have been able to set up my family. I've been a Premier League footballer, which is a dream that many, myself included, fail to do for whatever reason or failure to become. But he has to kick on. You're at Bournemouth. No disrespect. You went from Liverpool. You should be a key player for Bournemouth. Bournemouth not even trying to give you a new deal. You've been appalling. You are one of Bournemouth's worst signings. And you need to look closer to home. Are you applying yourself in training? Are you really trying to learn? Do you really want it? Because he hasn't improved. He doesn't look any shade a better player than that young, raw player at Liverpool. He he, he could get past the man. He had fairly decent skill. His decision-making weren't the best. He played with his head down. And there's just goals and assists elude him. Again, the situations are different. But you look at Adama Traore. He's one of them that's progressed and had potential but never quite kicked on. He's trying to get kick on. And now he's, linking, he's being linked with all these other clubs. De La Feo is very much hot and cold. 
And Ive is one of these sort of players in that, like, do you want to be good or do you want to be great sort of thing? Like, only he only he can tell himself that and he needs to do some soul searching. What I will say in terms of the crash and all these things, he needs to forgive himself because it's happened. You can't let it eat him up. Obviously, thank God, no, to my knowledge, um, nobody's harmed, nobody's seriously injured. At the end of the day, yes, it's expensive damage. Yes, it's hell holy for money. Yes, Bentleys are crashed and all these things. But money can't buy life unless you're a Rothschild and, and them thing there. But money can't buy life. You can't buy again. It don't, you just see what I'm saying? So thank the Lord that nobody's dead. Don't let this eat you up. Obviously, repent. Say sorry. Try your best to make it right with the owners and, you know, make a way. It will never be right. But, you know, forgive yourself and go again and really realize the moment you have your professional footballer you are you are live you are sorry brighton bournemouth sorry's um record signing people he's their record signing and he has not trained with the first team squad since early january in fact he is now playing as an overage player in the under 21 side people it's a mad thing and if you're a young wing or you put at, at bournemouth you probably think you're better than him and you should he needs to fix up because who's going to give you 40 bags a week? You, might, you probably will get another champ, a Premier League club. Probably a promotion club take a chance on you. You never know. You will get a club. But you need to fix up, man. You're 24, bro. You could, you, 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 you've you got it. Yeah, you could you could be so much better than what you're doing right now. I don't think he can be world class and all of these things. I'm not even saying he could be a Premier League quality footballer. I'm saying he can fix up his situation. But only he can do that for himself, people. That's it. No one else can do it for him. Is what it is in that regards. Moving away from Jordan Ibe and this rather negative stuff. Um, Chelsea have obviously signed Ajax winger Hakim Ziyech, people. Um, it will happen in the summer for £38 million And it's likely to be announced more or less in the coming days or hours. He'll technically be Frank Lampard's new signing. First signing, sorry. And Chelsea fans have every right to be excited. If you see his exploits, exploits a couple of seasons ago with Ajax. If you see what he's doing in the Eredivisie. The 26-year-old is... Listen, he's been around for a while, but in the last three years, four years, he's really come into his own. He's 26, so he should have the bit between his teeth to want to play good. Obviously, he can play on either flank. He can play as a 10. He gives Lampard some options. He's a Chelsea player in that what Lampard is trying to implement at Chelsea as well. Obviously, he's a bit of an assist king. So if you're Tammy Abraham, you finally got someone that could hit you. Again, you can play Mount and him in the same side, but it puts pressure on the creative spots to up their game. Obviously, he can play on the flanks, and with speculation over Pedro and Williams' future, I think both contracts are up. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, he's someone that could potentially cover that. Obviously, I'm sure Chelsea fans in the summer, there's a couple of roles they'd like. I'm sure they would like another winger or creative player. I'm sure they would like a centre-half. And I know Tammy's been doing his thing, but I'm sure you'd like another striker of some sort. Um, but they should be excited, especially in today's day and age. It's 38 million people. Um, and he's got every, you know, he's got every reason to be a baller. He's a threat from set pieces. He's a baller, people. Obviously, he plays. he's got to play for Chelsea now, so I have to be shameless and say he's not good and, and he's a flop and these things. But he's a baller, people. For Ajax in 160 games, people, he's got 48 goals and 82 assists. Assist king, people. 21 assists in all competitions this year, people. In the league, specifically in the 18 league games he's played in the Eredivisie, um, he's got 12 assists and 6 goals. So that's a handsome return when you factor in what Tammy's getting. And to be fair, there is a bit of lack of scorers at Chelsea, really, if them and they aren't scoring. But you get it. Um, I'm, obviously, the Premier League and, and, and Holland is a step up. But I think if you do it in the Champions League, if you've played well against Madrid, if you played well against Spurs, not that Spurs on the same level as, as Madrid, you could have half the chance, people, of doing okay for yourself. But it is what it is in that regards. Um, 
So yeah, man, big up, big up, Hakim Ziyech. I'm keen to see him in the prem. Don't play too well. Well, in fact, yeah, man, I'm gonna have to be shameless and say you're not good. Like, why he's 26? No one took a chance on him. He's 26. You know, he had all them good seasons. What is there something wrong with him? Why ain't Chelsea? Why did Chelsea be the ones to do it? And um, they still got Pulisic. Obviously, it's a bit of a sour thing. But banter aside, I think he'll be a good signing for Chelsea. Moving away from that, though, and Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard's former teammate, though, Stephen Gerrard. Um, I didn't watch the game, but they brought his Rangers side, conceded two late late goals and lost to Kilmarnock 2-1 and now slipped 10 points behind leaders Celtic. Um, it's the third time Rangers have dropped points in five league games since the, since the winter break. And Gerrard hasn't pulled any punches. And he said um, he thinks he's being proved wrong in thinking his squad have the mentality to sustain a title challenge. He said, I thought we were in a better place than what we have shown over the last four to six weeks. I thought we had the mentality and the character to sustain a push. But on evidence of the last four or five weeks, I'm getting proven wrong. We came here tonight and it was a pressure game in a stadium where you know you're going to be under the cosh. The reality is that we couldn't cope. But having said that, it's me as well because I'm responsible for that group of players. So he's bit the bullet. He's taken the L for himself. But if I hear that as my manager, as unrealistic as closing them 10 points are, some players, this is where you're going to see what players are made of. Because some players are going to take that the wrong way to heart and start being selfish and potentially being mercenaries. Certain players are going to feel sorry for themselves and doubt themselves. But the crop of that group are going to see that and think, yo... What's that gaffer talking about? About my mentality is not good. Yo, all right, next game, we're patterning. Training, we're patterning. Do you get it? And because of that, you can imagine Gerard had it out and the players had it out and there's a forum to just be real people. It's always going to be a tough hearts for Rangers to defeat Celtic to the league title, but they're 10 points off, people. And I think Arsenal are 10 points off the Premier League's top four places, so I know exactly how that feels, Rangers fans. So, yeah, we'll see how that one happens. What happens in that one, sorry. Moving away from all of that, though, and Anthony Martial. Now, regarding Anthony Martial, once again, people, apologies. I don't know why I paused. I had a brain fart for a sec. But Anthony Martial has had something to say in relation to his former manager, Jose Mourinho. And we all know in today's day and age, like, digging out players in public doesn't really have the effect it might have had, I say, 10 years ago, and that was 2010. Players are a bit different. I'm trying to use or avoid using certain words along the lines of soft, but we all know players are a bit more precious these days. Player power has always been a strong thing, but it's in in keeping up the themes with man management, it's also how you manage players and, and egos and player power. It's almost it's a very important thing for managers. It's, it is as important as tactics because player power is bigger than everything nowadays man really and truly you could you could hang someone out to dry previously and you know they have no choice but to buck it up now there's there's always there's a storm with the media there's they're onto their agents and they've always been doing that but and i'm not saying martial is that but yeah in relation to jose Mourinho, he has said um he admits he was desperate to prove Mourinho wrong during their time together at manchester united as you lot know, they famously fell out in pre-season after Martial went to attend the birth of his son. Um, Jose also accused Martial of wanting to play as a striker for the wrong reasons during their time together, whatever that is. And he admits, Martial, that he was unhappy with Jose's decision to publicly drop him from the team, but believes that acted as motivation to win his, his place back. So it did have some effect, clearly, then, whether we, we agree with it or not, which I don't. But... um. Um, he has said, it's true that I'd have preferred if he told me directly. There's no need to say it in front of everybody. 
After that, you definitely want to prove him wrong. He didn't start me during the first few games and each time I came on, I scored. In the end, he told me, you see, now you understand what I wanted. It, it, it can get to you. You just want to show him you deserve to be on the pitch and it's almost sink or swim. Not going to lie, under Jose... I'm sure it was in. I, I, I'm sure his Man United future is in the balance. In that you heard Woodward, you know, wanted to keep him, but Jose actively tried to sell him. And obviously, each season that goes on, you're you're trying to see Martial's potential and things like that. But I still think there's potential to be a good player there. Just how much he wants it is down to him. Um, he needs to really look at how he plays on the football pitch and look to take it to another level, people, because. He, for someone with his potential, he should make strides. He should. We should be talking about Martial, and he's been in decent form to get going in the front side. He should be a shoe in. A lot of players should um, for their countries, and they haven't kicked on. So hopefully, Martial. I like Martial, man. I know he plays for United, but I like Martial, man. Hopefully, he can kick on and have something better to say in relation to his career in in due time. Um, moving away from that, folks, and keeping up with Manchester United. Apparently, their new signing Ogallo is training away from the club's training ground this week purely as a precautionary measure following his arrival from China. That's also prevented him from travelling to Spain with United for their winter training break. And I know people will banter the signing of Agarlo and whatnot and you know it might you can question United's ambition. But I want him to do well man. It seems like a man that's dreamed of playing of Manchester for Manchester United his whole life. He's got it. Um, and he seems to be, you know, you see the little clips he's putting up of training and working hard. You can't, you can't hate a guy or fault a guy that just looks like he's living his dream, man. So I want Igalo to do well in his little lone spot, United. But um, and he's been training, doing what he can. Um, he's actually been training at the National Taekwondo Centre, which is closer to the Etihad Stadium. So does he know what team he's signing for? Nah, banter. But hopefully he can do all right. But he's been told to stay away. He's still expect, expected to travel with the squad for the Monday game against Chelsea. Um, with the support of, with the support from the club's personalised fitness programme, um, he's been working, obviously training by himself, in, in relation to get not just in the best condition he potentially can be, but also in relation to the immediate game against Chelsea. United have decided on this policy of not bringing him, um, telling him to stay away from the training ground because... Um, because of the risk, albeit extremely slight, posted by the coronavirus. They decided against taking the striker on the winter break to Spain because of concerns he may have difficulty getting back into, into the UK. So it's not worth risking it, people. And hopefully an end is put to that. Um, have I got anything? What's next on my agenda? Apologies for all the papers you hear, people. Um, moving away from all of that, though, and we might as well briefly speak about some transfers. Um, um, um and whatnot. Oh, and, and uh, before I carry on, in relation to the coronavirus, apparently, it's it, apologies. You lot are hearing <laughs> my emails. Um, apparently, you need to be quarantined for around fourteen days. So again, it's a precautionary measure. Moving away from all of that and the transfer news, people. Jaden Sanjo left as an 18, 19 year old. However much he left for, um, for ten million to Dortmund. Returns turning into his twenties. He's linked with Liverpool. I mean, there's the old merits in signing for Liverpool, prestigious club. Klopp seems like, you never know, football is a short career and Klopp's been there for a while, but you hear talk of the new training ground that Klopp had a hand in. They're winning the Champions, they've won the Champions League, they're going to win the Prem. When I think of Liverpool, which you can't always say of them growing up in my experience, I see stability. And obviously, there's enough merit to want to sign for Liverpool. And I think Sanjo would fit in quite well. 
Manchester United want him again. It might not be Manchester United of me growing up and people older than me, but it's still Manchester United. It's a big club in its own merit. Obviously, the marketability that um, that comes with Jaden Sanjo and him collabing is what it is. Um, apparently, Manchester City are not involved, but we need to remember they've got a percentage and I think they get more money if, the, if he's sold to Manchester United. And they also have a, a first option on him if they want to bring him back. I think they should bring him back, eat the humble pie because there's talk of Sane going. I think they need players to put um, pressure on other people's spots in the team. And I think Sanjo can do that because I think people at City right now is too comfortable on top of the obvious. Um, Chelsea allegedly in for him. Um, they've just signed Hakim Ziyech. So I don't know if they're still going to go for him. But there's a carrot of returning to London. Obviously, I believe he was a Chelsea fan growing up, if that holds any weight. Um, so there's a big there's big clubs. You're hearing PSG, Bayern Munich and Barcelona and Madrid are all keeping tabs on the man. So it's up to him. I think Spain would be an attraction. I think, you know, he. I, I think even though he's established himself in Dortmund, I think he wants to play in the Premier League sooner rather than later. So there's that option as well. Um, either way, Dortmund stand to make a healthy profit when they sell him at the end of the season. For the man they brought for what 10 million they're going to make a 90 odd profit you'd imagine he goes for 100 million or near enough that in add-ons and it is what it is man and yeah man it shows that his move has been backed up going to germany as a young man developing himself um so we'll see what happens in that regards moving away from that folks and apparently chelsea and manchester united are prepared to pay 35 million for jude bellingham plus 15 million add-ons the 16-year-old Birmingham midfielder is a bad boy, people. And you know what? They could do a lot wrong. I think he'll be worth every penny. Werner, Leipzig striker Timo Werner is linked with Liverpool again. Apparently, a fee of 46 million will be enough to sign him. And I'll be keen to see how he fits in their team. Apparently, Manchester United are monitoring 18-year-old Arsenal wingers contract situation. Um, Bakayo Saka at Arsenal. So we'll see what happens with that. Apparently, Coutinho's ruled out a return to Liverpool as he claims he's on another journey. Good news for Everton fans. Carlo Ancelotti's been starting quite well in his career there. Apparently, he's um, already eyeing an extended stay. Um, not quite sure he merits being linked with Madrid currently, but Everton striker Moise Keane, 19-year-old, has been linked with Real Madrid. Um, Liverpool will battle Real Madrid for the signature of Inter Milan midfielder Marcelo Brozovic. He's 27 in the summer. I mean, sorry, he's 27 and they want to go for him in the summer. Um, I do think Liverpool need a creative midfield. I wouldn't say that's him. So you can see where the midfield links come from. What else is there? Allegri apparently has a deal in place with a great English club as rumours of a move to Manchester United gather pace. And to be fair, you know, there could be every reason for that. You saw Pochettino's comments as well, kind of, you know, pimp himself out to wanting to return to the Premier League and whatnot, people. Both managers, Pochettino and Allegri, will no doubt be linked with Manchester United. But forgive me if I'm missing something. Only one man can manage the club. Um, it's a difficult one because I think Pochettino, he fits United down to a T. I do think his record with young players is overstated. But he knows how to develop young players and develop talent and just develop a squad and work with players and find, you know, find a role for players that you might have wanted to be the first out of your club's door. Um, obviously, he's he's still young. He's got that South American energy. He's got that passion. It would be good. When you think of Allegri, you think of you think of structure. You think of a winner, and in his own right as well, it would be equally as good as for Manchester United. Allegedly, he's doing English classes and things like that. So only United fans and people within the decision making quarters of United will tell you who's a better fit. But it's interesting links nonetheless. 
keeping up with Italian managers with Allegri and Sarri has admitted that Aaron Ramsey hasn't found things easy during his injury hit time in Italy. Um, he's been linked with a lot of Premier League clubs. He's been linked with Arsenal, United, Liverpool and Chelsea. And everyone would take, an, you know, take an interest in him. But the complication is his wages. I'm sure Juventus, if they sell him, they want to depart with them wages, which are good wages for um, Ramsey. But I wouldn't even want Arsenal to play, pay a percentage of them wages. And I, I, I wouldn't want, if I was a supporter of the other clubs, I wouldn't want that either. So we'll have to see how that one develops, people. Um, apparently, I've already said this in a video, but apparently Arsenal are set to open contract talks with Matteo Guendouzi, which regardless of what you believe on the player, he we do need to tie him down and protect his value and potential resale value, people. Um, apparently, Chelsea are plotting to re-sign Jeremy Bogger from Satsuolo. 23 years of age and what he left at like 2021 he's really been developing and scoring some good goals and you're here in Barcelona I linked with him as well people so we're gonna have to see how that one develops but he is a very decent player and he's looked twice the player since being exposed to first team and you know he could be someone Chelsea buy back and he could complement their side well he could feel there's a potential bit of unfinished business at Chelsea because he didn't really get a chance like that um but moving on, and Pep Guardiola, for me, quality manager, I mean for you lot too. But he's had some interesting comments over the weekend. I've kind of mixed and mashed them together. Um, so yeah, man, um, apparently first and foremost, he'll, he thinks he'll be regarded as a failure at Manchester City if he does not win the Champions League. First and foremost, I agree and disagree. I disagree because he's accomplished history at, 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 at Manchester City. He's been a formidable opponent for everybody to play against. In his own way, he's changed the league. You know, he's bullied the league. He's re Forgive me if I'm wrong, they can't retain it three times in a row, but he's defended his league title. He's created history. But the big one was the Champions League. The big carrot was Pep Guardiola coming to try and get them to win the Champions League. I think regardless of if he wins the Champions League at another club or not, he's a bad boy manager. But at the end of the day, People can sit here and say, oh, it's because I don't agree with it because his tactics were great because Salis Ferguson, on top of how good Messi was in them two Champions League finals, he had no answers for Pep Guardiola tactically. Like, he really did a number on, on Ferguson, the great man. But the carry of him, Pep Guardiola coming was, we've already won the Premier League. Not that we don't need to win it again, but we've already won the Premier League. We need to win the champs and he hasn't got close. He hasn't got to a final, so... I don't agree it would be regarded as a failure, but to those who have a dim view and a harsh view, you could say yes. Him himself has said last year it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary um, for one of us, but people for us people. But people say you didn't win the Champions League. That is why. Th that is why I'll be judged if we don't win it in my final period here. I'll be a failure here. I know that. And then he's gone on to talk about if he's the best coach. He has said, "Was I? Was I? What is the best coach?" I've never felt like I am the best. Never in my life. Even when I won six titles in a row and won trebles, never felt that. I won because I had extraordinary players at big clubs. The incredible managers don't have these players. They don't have these clubs. I'm a good manager, but not the best. Give me a team not like Manchester City and I'm not going to win. Never in my life. Um, Yeah. Uh, Boy. I agree and disagree, man. I don't agree with this whole, oh, man, to prove you're a good manager, you need to go and, and manage Leighton Orient and win them the Premier League. And I do think he's talking a bit of nonsense, but at the same time, I, and, and doing that weird stuff Pep does, but I do think he's he's probably doubting himself at, at this time at City, just because, at least for me as a Pep Guardiola fan, and just seeing him, it seems like in terms of the title race, this is the one season he's really been blown out of the water by an opposition. He's not really been in it. Obviously, they were in it, 
but he's not really been in it of such people. Um, he's also carried on and said, um, he's also said, I accept I want to win the Champions League. I dream and I will enjoy the games against Real Madrid to see what I can do. And this process, the two weeks before, will be the happiest moments of my profession to imagine what we can do to beat them. We, If we don't beat them, then the chairman will come as the, or the sporting director and say it's not good enough. We want to win the Champions League. I'm going to sack you, which is crazy, people. So we'll have to see how that one develops, people. I think a bit of that is just, be, 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 I think it was said in a banterous tone, so we'll have to see. Moving away from that, though, and Brighton have launched an investigation after video after a video emerged of four players inhaling balloons during the club's winter break in, in Spain. Shane Duffy, Pascal Gross, Leandro Tosa and Alariza Jankabash, I can't say his name, was shown. Although it is not known if anything was in the balloons, the club spokesman has said, The club is aware of the video circling on social media. This matter is being dealt with internally. Obviously, as you look, no Potter took his side to Spain after a difficult run where they've just taken four points from their last six games, leaving them just three points above the relegation zone. And obviously, I don't believe in the balloon tinker. He just looked like nitties, but they've got to be a bit smarter. If they played for bigger clubs, this would more of this would be made. And like I've just said, Graham Potter's had a difficult time at Brighton and they're above the relegation zone. You don't, they don't need, obviously the manager's not dealing with how to mitigate it and how to calm it down on social media, but it's unneeded headlines. It's un, it's things that, it's energy that's taken away from just focusing on, focusing on the collective, in, in which I assume is just staying in the Premier League at this moment in time. Um, so it makes things it makes things unnecessarily harder and it just means the player liaison officer and whatnot have to work 10 times harder unnecessarily people really and truly um moving away from that and to wrap this up we've obviously finally the premier league has returned people it's finally back um it's finally back first first off west ham play against i think west ham play against manchester city um on wednesday <clears throat> Um, so yeah man obviously City can't win the league title so they just need to go and win that the big one is on the Monday Chelsea versus Manchester United a six pointer at such people I don't know man because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been a bit dodgy but I just I don't know United in big games I seem they, they always seem fairly up for it against Chelsea and Chelsea's at the bridge I mean it's going to be a decent game man Chelsea, I think both teams could win it I'm going to I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two. I think there'll be goals in this game. I'm going to say Chelsea 2, United 2. Obviously, both teams would want to win. They both want to get top four. Chelsea looks to shoe in to get top four and they're making a meal of things, really and truly. So, we'll see how that one goes. Wolves play Leicester City and Leicester still firmly in the Champions League spots. Wolves doing their thing. Two teams that earned deservedly so a lot of plaudits both this season and in general since they came back to the Premier League. Must be a good game for the neutrals. Southampton versus Burnley. Southampton welcome Burnley to St. Mary's. It's been a deep. Both teams really need to start winning. Southampton have had a resurgence. I back Southampton to win that. Although, based on the last game Burnley played, what was it? The 0-0 draw against Arsenal. They're going to be difficult to break down. Danny Ings is in my fantasy team, people. So, hopefully, he does his thing. I need him to score goals. Norwich welcome Liverpool. And that's very much damage limitation. Liverpool having a great season. Doing what they need to do in the Premier League doing what they need to do when required in all other competitions. You're just hoping that they lose a game and don't become invincible. Hopefully Norwich can do it, but you can't pre you can't really predict anything other than a landslide for Liverpool and probably Mane or Salah or someone getting a brace and all of these sort of things. 
I'm seeing campaigns for Henderson to get player of the year, people. I'm not going to lie. I, I think Henderson's done his thing, but I don't get where this propaganda to give Henderson the, the, the PFA. I get he does a less glamorous work for the team and his role is as important as Salah in them. And obviously he's not scoring, but he does his thing. But I don't get it. I don't get it. There's about two, maybe three players. I'd give it to Salah, even though Salah's probably not been as great as he has been before. Salah deserves it more than him. I'd give it to Trent Alexander-Arnold before him. Uh, Mane as well. No disrespect to Henderson because he deserves it on merit. But I just can't understand this propaganda by players, by media to give it to Jordan Henderson. I've got no disrespect intended to Jordan Henderson. And I think he's deserving in his own right. But people are behaving like he's Liverpool's most decisive player. He's putting in his work. But I think Mane definitely deserves it more than him. Will Mane win it? Of course not. Um, but it is what it is, man. I just can't understand. So I thought I'd mention that. Um, Aston Villa welcomes Spurs and I'm happy Spurs aren't playing at home because it means traffic in North London is cool. Obviously, you're hoping Villa can do us a job. Spurs need to get back to winning ways if they want to get top four. Um, yeah, hopefully Grealish can turn on the sparkles against them, but I'd probably back Spurs to win. Obviously, Arsenal we welcome Newcastle. I believe it's 10th versus 13th. They've lost only one game in 2020. We're undefeated in 2020. We're both on level points. Arsenal have drawn however many games in a row. We need to stop that. Um, and it starts at Newcastle. We're welcoming Newcastle. Now, they're no, they're no easy meets. You've seen them in, in a couple games against the top six. They've done quite well and snatched a couple of results. They beat Chelsea at their place. They've beaten Manchester United this season. They didn't beat Liverpool, but they put in a convincing performance against them. We probably caught them at the right time in the reverse fixture in that it was at, it was at their place, but it was a 1-0 victory and we had to manage that game and it weren't exactly easy. We need to go into need to be very wary of set pieces. You've seen Arteta come out and say, yo, listen, top four is still there. The players need to play like it, people. And only they can do that. Um... So, yeah, I'm happy to see the Premier League back. Obviously, it's been a lovely podcast, people, but all good things come to an end. I've got to keep it moving. If you haven't got enough of your DG fix, make sure you head over to my YouTube channel where there's a bag of other content and all them things. But for now, enjoy the rest of your day, morning, however you're watching this DG, or listening, sorry, DG, I'm out. Make sure you check out the YouTube content. Make sure you come back. We're back again on uh, probably tu probably Tuesday, people. You don't know me. I try and do this twice a week on, on Fridays and on Tuesdays. Re Tuesdays will be like the Premier League in football review. This is obviously the preview. There'll come a time when it can only be one. But for now, it is what it is. On that note, though, I'm out. People, thank you for listening. Deluded.